Hi everyone and welcome to the third episode of the podcast at Shady Grove. My name is Jessica Diaz Council. I work for the Center for Recruitment and Transfer Access here at the universities at Shady Grove. I work as an ACES Success Coordinator uh, and today we're going to have a conversation with another ACES Success Coordinator, um, aka a high school coach. Her name is Ms. Teray Thomas. Um, we're going to be discussing topics of financial literacy. Just a warning that there are some technical difficulties during the episode because of internet access, but hopefully um, it's not too bad. So let's get into it. I'm sitting here today with Ms. Teray Thomas, ACES High School Coach at Clarksburg High School. Um, she is my favorite person to bounce off financial literacy. Uh, she's the person I bring in when we talk to ACES students about it. Um, we are, would we call ourselves novices? Would you say we're new to this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. New to this, but true to this, I would say. Facts. <laughs> so we're going to just talk about some financial literacy things um, that we've learned in the past couple of months it's about a, been about a year right I would say working on this oh I would no I think it's been like six months since we like buckled down and yeah. I think even though we're novices it's been like exponential learning curves we, yeah. we like ran with it right yeah I think we went like we we had this awakening and then we just went head in headstrong yeah. head first and then just went to as many things as we could and read as much as we could and and yeah just kind of engulfed ourselves in this. So we'll talk very liberally about um, financial literacy and what we've been through. Um, so to kick it off, Teray, did you want to go ahead and kind of introduce yourself, but also like tell us a little bit about your financial awakening and your journey to financial freedom? Sure. Hey guys, um, again, my name is Terry Thomas. I am the ACES coach at Clarksburg High School, and I have been with this program for five years. It's hard to believe. Um, I went to college. I wasn't technically the first person in my family to graduate, but my mom graduated when I was 10. So she didn't do the traditional route. She was a lot older when she graduated and she did it without any help, without any knowledge. Um, and of course she then passed that lack of knowledge on to me. Um, so when it was time for me to go to college, I literally took out loans and did whatever I had to do because that was the norm. That was the narrative. Um, by any means necessary, you're going to go to college. Um, I'm lucky that some of my undergrad was supplemented by my grandparents. They were able to pay some of the bills. Um, but I still left undergrad with about $10,000 in loans. And then grad school, um, I ended up taking about $35,000 in loans. Mm -hmm. So that total is $45,000, except... I went back to school and deferred them and got a certificate in interpreting. And by the time I had to pay them back, which was 2016, I believe, um, they were at 60,000 something, like 62,000 something dollars. $62,000. Yeah. So that's a big jump from 10 to 35 mm. to 45 to 62. Mm -hmm. um, but even still, it was one of those things uh, that everybody around me says, and it's that we're just going to die with the student loans and yeah. it just is what it is. They're going to be there forever. And it wasn't until I'm going to say I bought my house in 2014. It wasn't until I sold the house in 2017 that I realized that I could make like a tremendous impact on my debt. Cause I sold the house and, and made a huge profit. And so I thought I was doing the right thing by putting a chunk of that money toward my credit card debt. But the problem was I still wasn't ready mentally yeah. to, to start really tackling debt and the bad habits I had. So that credit card debt that I probably put a good 15,000 on, I just racked back up. So it's like, I never had the money, <laughs> um, which was very frustrating. And it was right after that. So I'm going to say 20, probably like 2018, when I decided that I needed to do something different. Yeah. Um, it was really difficult because at that time we were already like 
um, implementing the financial literacy workshops with the students. And so I felt like a fraud. Yeah. I was like, wait, I'm teaching these kids to do better, but I'm not doing better. So I knew that I had to figure it out. And then makes sense. And that's kind of how we are here now was it's still recording on your end should it not be no because i think i got kicked off and got back on but we'll see what it says this is <laughs> this is the times right internet all that i don't know I, I lost it hopefully it was still there we'll see um so i apologize i didn't hear the last part you said um so basically i just was saying we came up with the curriculum last summer, you and I, and then uh, we decided to be intentional about it and to rebrand it and refocus it to fit what we were learning. Um, and that it's kind of living and breathing as we grow and we learn, we change it, we tweak it mm -hmm. so that it's, it's real and true to our new narrative and the things that we're experiencing every single day and learning every day. And then as, again, as we grow and we learn, we just, um, share it with our students and whomever else wants to listen because I've been telling everybody. <laughs> yeah, we scream it from the rooftops. It's definitely the new norm. Like, um, we, whatever we learn, and that's why I love the way that we approach it is because there's full transparency. Like, we're, we're not the experts by no means, but we will tell you the mistakes. We will tell you what we've learned and what we found out. Any, any secret, like, you and I constantly are exchanging text messages or emails about like, oh, did you see this opportunity or did you hear about this or hear about that? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we approach our students as well. Um, and I think it's because that's how finances work. It's an ongoing process. You're constantly learning. Um, it's not one size fits all. Um, but what we can agree on is that debt is not that the life we want to live. No, um, it's absolutely the opposite. It's, I think, watching our students kind of gave me the drive that I needed to fix my life because one day I was sitting in a workshop and one of my students was like Miss Thomas you're my role model and I was like holy crap um, <laughs> no you should pick another one uh, <laughs> because I knew that I didn't have it all together and yeah. I hated that anybody would want to model their life off of my bad habits but I realized that that's not what they were seeing my yeah. students see the part of me that's constantly growing, the part of me that's loving and that's trying to just take care of everyone, um, but also take care of myself. So I had to really give myself some grace, but at the same time, it, it kicked my butt and it lit a fire in me that was like, okay, I have people watching me. I don't have my own biological children. Mm -hmm. um, so I have young people, like my kids, mm -hmm. watching every move I make. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to model the behavior that I would want them to replicate. For sure. And so financials um, are one of those things, I, I think I hate the most, what I hate the most about uh, financial literacy or just the financial crisis is that it's a secret. Like it's yeah. like, we just don't have the keys yeah. to the, the lock. But yeah. now that we have it, I'm like, why didn't anybody say this? And I have some yeah. people that have been like, oh yeah, I knew that. I'm like, I've never seen you post as much as you post. Yeah. I've never seen you post anything about anything so yeah. i'm frustrated and so now i feel like it's one of those like 180s where i've gone from being like duh, 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 i don't know nothing to like mm -hmm. let me tell you this let me tell you that fix this do that <laughs> and when we don't know or when if, if you don't know i know that you go find it we find yeah. it out mm -hmm. um i think there's a lot of parts of financial literacy that we still have yet to uncover um but you're right it is a secret it is kept, you know, into the, in those specific classes, like you have to take a finance class or you have to be an economics major uh, for you to get the information. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why that is. Maybe it's, you know, part of a culture thing, but it definitely should be more um, a part of the conversation. And that's something I do with myself as well as I am very transparent with this, my students about my student loan debt, my um, bad choices that I've made financially from, undergrad to now and the changes that I've started to implement to do better um, and I think you know listening to your story about how you took out student loans for undergrad and 
you know, when you graduated you from undergrad, you only had about $10,000 worth of debt. Imagine if you had that information at that time, Oh God! how much further along you'd be um, and how much differently you would have approached your other decisions with oh. grad school and deferring and all that in your credit card and just those kind of choices. If you had the knowledge at that, you know, 21, 22 year old stage that our ACES students are at. Yeah, well, it gets worse because as soon as I graduated from undergrad, I moved to Korea, South Korea, and taught English. And the beauty of that program was that my tickets, my flight there and back home after the year was paid for. I got a salary. My housing was paid for. The only bills I had, I got a cell phone while I was there, but their cell phone plans are nominal compared to <laughs> ours. Um, I had a cell phone that I paid for, and then I had to pay utilities that I split with my roommates. So we're talking 50 bucks a month. Wow. So the rest of my salary was about $2,000 a month-ish, maybe $1,800. And so I would send home $1,500 a, a month that was just sitting in my bank account. I actually bought, I think, a laptop. I bought a camera. I bought an iPod. Like certain things I splurged on at the time. But those three things, I mean, when I got back home, I probably had a good $10,000, $11,000 waiting for me, just sitting in the bank. Wow. Waiting. And so that could have paid, I could have been paying my student loan while I was over there. Right. When I actually started grad school, I was over there. Um, and to my frustration, when I got home, one, I couldn't find a job for about four, six months. I struggled. I had a master's degree. Um, I had all this experience. I spoke two languages and, and well, three languages and nothing. And then finally got a job in higher ed. And I found out that they would have paid for a master's. And oh I, my gosh. It was like, I didn't even know I became a recruiter. I didn't know what that was. It just so happened a friend of mine was leaving a position at a private school and they, they just hired me. Like, I mean, I interviewed and stuff, but it wasn't like a lot of politics. And so I got the job, not knowing what I was doing, just knowing I needed a job. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that's actually my road to higher ed. Um, but found out that higher ed had this thing where they pay for it, you know, education. And I, yeah. I remember being so frustrated that I had just finished a program, had all this debt, and had I just, had I known, I mean, right. there was no way to know that. It kind of right. just fell on my lap, but I could have paid my student loans while I was in Korea. I could have come home, gotten a master's paid for, and I just, I want to kind of earl sometimes when I think <laughs> about it. It makes me sick to my stomach, but one thing I love is that you don't let me live in that space because I, I right. tend to like, to like to be in that space and dwell there. Yeah. So I have snapped out of it and we are like going ham on right. right now. Right. Like there's so many do-overs that I would have loved, uh, but it, <laughs> we're, we're fixing it now. And that's the most important part. Um, and so, and then back then you were joining, you joined higher ed, you started that career path, what, like 2015? Nine. 2009. 2009. They, there weren't that many companies back then that were covering master's degrees or tuitions in, in general, but nowadays that's so common for organizations to include that in their benefits package, you know, mm -hmm. some type of tuition remission, tuition reimbursement, scholarship yeah. dollar, um, and that's not publicized. It's Our students don't know that all the time, and so, you know, one of the conversations I have with our ACES students at the USG level is that we need, you need to ask that question up front. Is it, is it something that the benefit package offers or is it something that can be included or worked in? Because, you know, when you come out of college, you don't have the best of options necessarily, mm -hmm. depending on what you studied, but you could make the best of the time that you're at that position, gaining that professional experience. Which is interesting because when we talk to the students also, um, it's important for them to think a little more globally. And I, and I find it difficult because education is designed in stages so it's like i go to elementary i go to middle i go to high school i graduate I go to college I get a job in this i major in this. but that's kind of it's a little limiting so if you if you think of where we work we work from montgomery college so well i work from montgomery college mm -hmm. the college itself when you say that word the connotation is teachers uh and that's it faculty and maybe like counselors but we have accountants we have a law yeah, team you're right we have um uh, janitors we have I mean you name the position we probably have we have um, a hospital we partner with so you know we have a nursing program we have all of these things and I'm like oh well you can graduate with your degree and whatever and maybe get a job here we have a tv production studio you know you're going into film you might not think I want to work for a college 
but if you're working for a college in the thing that you love and they so happen to pay for you to go back to school, like what does it matter if you're not at CBS yet? Right. But if you could milk it for two more years, mm-hmm. get your experience at whatever level, get some benefits and then move on. My goodness. Yes. It's all about strategic, being strategic and taking advantage of that time. And, and I, I think it's something that we promote to our students as well as thinking outside of the box. Yeah. You have to be a little creative and, and have a little bit of a, a entrepreneurial hustler spirit sometimes when trying to get to where you're going and keeping costs down. Because that's what we preach with financial literacy, right? Keeping costs down almost to the point where it's zero. It costs you none to do what you did. Absolutely. And that happens also often with our students, uh, especially because they're so creative these days. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't know what they can't tap into unless they try. Um, yeah. So now moving a little bit more, you know, we could talk about this till we're blue in the face, but (laughs) moving into some uh, qualities of financial literacy or some characteristics that we kind of lean on or steps, if you will, um, where we start with savings, right? Typically you and I talk about savings, no matter where you find yourself in, you have to have some sort of savings. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think it's difficult for people to hear it first, but there's a difference between your savings account and your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we actually start with is an emergency fund. And from the research we've done, typically people um, like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, they'll say, you know, you should save about $1,000 in your emergency fund. Um, there's another uh, young man that we followed. He says $2,000. So mm-hmm. You put that to the side. You you've made you saved up that amount, and it goes away until you need it in an emergency. Um, it's funny because Susie Orman says if you have debt, you don't have savings. So mm-hmm. it's very important to di- differentiate the two of those. Right. Um, I think both of us, when we finally got to our emergency fund, it was like a feat in and of itself. And um, I even found myself dipping into it way too often. So I had to come to a better financial place uh, where I was making better decisions because that shouldn't be happening. I, I wasn't experiencing emergencies. I was just taking money out of it because I didn't want things. Yeah. So um, finally in a place where the emergency fund is set. And so um, if people do not have debt, then they can absolutely start saving. And that's a different pot. It's just, you save for a rainy day, not a rainy day, you save for the things that you desire, you save for the future. If you have plans five years out to buy a house, start saving, but that's separate again from your emergency fund. That should be saved for, you know, you get a flat tire and you buy four new tires. That should be saved for, um, uh, there's a bill that's coming and you didn't anticipate it, maybe a medical bill, you know, being able to just put that money on it without taking out a credit card because we are anti-credit. Yes. So... Um, yeah, that's the biggest difference. I'm not in the saving zone yet. <laughs> right, because right, we have debt. So, but yeah, but if you do not have debt, absolutely, once you've gotten your $1,000 or $2,000 in an emergency fund, I mean, you should be stacking. My my goal is, um, actually, both of our goals is to have three to six months of bills and life monetarily saved up mm-hmm. in an account. So if anything was to happen, there's a furlough, there's a hiring shortage, there's a whatever, um, God forbid there's a loss of a job. I know that for at least six months I can manage while I look for another one. Right. And, uh, emergency fund, you know, minimum a thousand dollars set aside that you only touch in cases of emergencies, $2,000 if you want to have a little bit more cushion. Um, but the philosophy behind it and you and I've experienced it is that it's in the case of an emergency, you can lean on that and it's, not a crisis yeah. and also an inconvenience like now you're inconveniently dipping into this emergency fund um but you didn't have to panic and and the worst thing to to do is panic when you're in a financial crisis mm-hmm. because that triggers a whole bunch of other emotions as well and you might make different decisions when you're in that crisis um and then also if you dip into that emergency fund then you replenish it Yep. Um, you, you do what you have to do and then you stop anything you've been doing towards debt um, repayment and replenish your emergency fund and start again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's savings and, you know, we're not there yet, but we will be soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then let's talk a little bit about budgeting. Sure. That's, that's been 
a trying thing for you as well. It took you a little bit to get with it. Um, I was on board way before, but I had the help of apps. So let's talk a little bit about budgeting and zero-based budgeting, which is our favorite. Hi, budgeting. Um, I'm doing better. I'm getting better. I So we subscribe to zero-based budgeting, which means that you give every penny that you earn a role, a place to go, um, a task. So as you're budgeting and you do a line item for your cell phone bill and your car insurance and your car, no, blah, blah, blah. As you get to the bottom, there should never be quote unquote money left over. So if you find yourself having budgeted for everything, your savings, your emergency fund, your blah, 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 and you have, let's say 200 left over, find somewhere for it to go. Can that go toward a bill to get you ahead? Can that go toward debt to get you ahead? Can it be put into your savings? So it just adds to what you're already saving. But when you finish your budget for the week or the month, however you do it, it should, well, a month, preferably, it should end in zero. Um, I struggle because I, I don't know why I act like I was born in, like, in the depression, but I struggle seeing my account lower than $1,000. Like it just has to be in there. But I don't know where that mentality comes from. I've never been in lack. I've never experienced being like poor or not, you know, not, not having and be wondering if I'm going to get paid, you know, yeah. struggling to get to the next paycheck or not having food to eat. I've never experienced that. But for some reason, I can't wrap my brain around it. So I budget to all my bills and then whatever's left over, it just sits there because yeah. I can't emotionally deal with it right now, but I'm getting there. Yeah. And <laughs> on the contrary, I've had mine literally be at zero till payday. And, and I, it was uncomfortable at first. I will lie. I won't lie and say like, I was not used to that, but, but after some time I realized like, it's not that there's no money there, but all money has gone somewhere, whether it be, you know, a savings account, a bill account, um, debt, whatever, like the money is allocated to something. Um, so the every dollar app, which is what I use, and I believe you use that as well, mm -hmm. um, is what really helps us get to that zero based budget. Um, and it does a really nice job of when you've sent, you know, your money to go do something every, every pay period, uh, it'll have a nice little check mark that says, you know, you have a zero based budget. Um, so it, it kind of feels like a game where like you won because you allocated dollars everywhere. But it is hard to do, and it's very uncomfortable. Um, I think it's because, you know, uh, you just never know. So you always feel like you have to have that. But um, it's important to know that we have different accounts for different things. Correct. Um, and then we're, we're aiming towards being debt-free. So our money is doing something. It's not like we've spent our money on, you know, Grubhub all week or right. um, something random. Um, and sometimes that happens too. I know for myself, if I have extra money sitting in my account in extra in the sense that I didn't send it somewhere, I think that I can use it and I never told it where to go. Right. Um, and I end up making decisions that I regret. Like, oh my goodness, I totally planned on putting, you know, $50 towards this or that. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, I remember when you, uh, we were starting to get the hang of every dollar, I would tell you like, you know, budget for crabs. Cause that's like your splurge thing. Yeah. Every two weeks you would go get some crabs and I'm like, okay, well just, that means you have to have a crabs budget line on your, on your every dollar. Yeah. And I do. <laughs> I ask, it says it. Absolutely. <laughs> that was, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with, with having fun or eating out or doing what you normally would do. But the good thing about um, budgeting and making it a habit is that you start to see your habits um, and what you spend on. And then maybe when you reflect on your budget every month, which is what I do, you get to see like, okay, maybe I need to stop eating at Chipotle every week yeah, or every other day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've talked about savings and budgeting. Now we can get into the conversation about debt right? We're going to approach this as if somebody owes something. You know, if you're debt-free, we're super proud of you. We hope to join you one day, yeah. but we'll talk from the perspective as if you owe someone. What do you do if you owe money? Whether it be student loans, credit cards, car notes, medical bills, what do, what do we do? 
Well, the first thing I do is write it down. I need to see it because it hurts when I look at it. <laughs> I, I have called you many days crying. Like, I can't do this. What have I done to myself? Why am I so stupid? Oh my God, it's bad. <laughs> and also, you got to have a friend. You need to have an accountability partner who can pull you out of your funk when you get there because this process is draining. Yes. And rightly so because it's modern day slavery and it should not feel good. So the good thing is that uncomfortable feeling keeps me motivated to get out. But every once in a while I have a moment and Jess pulls me out. So I write it down. I, I like to see, um, I have like a page for each thing. So my car notes on one page of like a my notebook, how much I started with, how much I'm at right now. And then I do like a yearly projection. So each month, if I made these payments, this is where I'd be at the end of the year. Um, and that way I know if I ever get any extra money, I kind of just add it in and I see what happens to the numbers. We, um, you turned me on to Undeaded, which is a website that kind of helps me calculate it without having to write it down. Mm-hmm. But there's something about physically writing the numbers myself that I have to look at what I've done. I'm forced yeah. to look at myself in the mirror. Um, so I write it down and then I start there. And we also learned recently to look at discretionary money. So once you do your budget, that's sort of like what's left over. If you have um, anything, $50, $5, $100 to put, this would be a good place to put it. So if you have debt and you have any extra wiggle room in money, you've already kind of figured out a line item for a savings, you've got a line item for like anything that you might need in life, bills and debt. And then you happen to have 300 left over that you haven't given a, a name yet or a task, put it towards debt use it as the extra push to get you out of debt faster. Um, I think both of us have decided to do the snowball. Um, I think that's right. Are you doing avalanche or snowball? I'm doing debt snowball. Okay. Yeah. We're both doing debt snowball, which means you're tackling the lower amount of debt first. So my car notes, the lower bill or the lower debt. It's not a bill. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to tackle that first. I also chose my car note because I knew that once I paid it off, it was an absolute payment um unlike my credit card that I could keep spending on which I won't Mm -hmm. um and it's fixed interest so I knew that I would make more headway and I needed the feeling of a win so they would keep me going yeah um I've actually decided to go after my car which will be paid off soon um I actually decided to then switch over to my credit card because even though it has the higher interest rate it's still the lower the next lower amount right um so yeah, I write it down, look at it, find any discretionary money you can, whether it's a part-time job or you just ha- happen to have money left over or tell yourself every time you get your refund check at the beginning of the year or every time you get um, an extra bit of money for your birthday or whatever, that you're going to put it towards this debt. It might not be where you have the money every month, right. but what we also, I had to do was stop getting my nails done every month <laughs> uh, because that really wasn't a necessity for me it wasn't even really a, a want it was just habit yeah um so that freed up like a hundred dollars or more a month for me that then became that kind of discretionary money that I could just throw toward my debt right. um and and as you start to do it oh I got so hungry for it I was like what else can I cut out do I need food no I need to eat okay keep that like <laughs> I was ready to give up everything yeah yeah <laughs> And you start looking at all the things you spend money on and you're like, oh, maybe I don't need Netflix this month or maybe I, need, I can hold <laughs> oh, on. Oh, I did. I got rid of Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you're like, what? Those little $7 or $8 aren't going to make a difference, but it really does add up. And that's why I think we've used the debt snowball approach because we need those small wins to keep yeah. us going and keep ourselves motivated to keep going. The debt avalanche approach, um, it's similar in the sense that you line your all your debts up, but you line them up based on interest rate and you tackle the highest interest rate first. For us, it just didn't seem like the best approach because some of the things that hide the higher interest rates were our biggest debts. And I don't know that we would have had those small wins early on. Um, and debt snowball, you know, you line all your debts up from whatever your smallest debt is, maybe a $500 credit card and, and a, you know, $800 credit card all the way up to whatever your largest is, which for us typically ended up being our student loans. Um, or might've been car, actually <laughs> the car might've been more too. Um, I've also used your same approach where I'm doing the credit card, my one credit card, and then the car, and then it's all student loans after that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and those, you know, it's, it's just, I need those small wins to know that I'm doing the right thing and get excited to put an extra whatever. Because I know when we started, it was like extra $20, extra $50, but now we're doing like extra $800 or yeah. extra <laughs> thousand. Like when you yeah. find all this money or we'll sell things or we'll pick up a, 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 a trait or something here to, to sell, I mean, yeah. to, to, to do some extra work and get some extra money. No, it's real. Yeah. And it's that's complicating what it, for me. Like I find it to be this fun game. Yeah. I, I want to win. I'm really competitive anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this that's not gonna beat me. And I just turned 35. So for me, I feel the pressure mm-hmm. to not go into my 40s like this because I don't want to like ex- be an older person and not have fun and experience more. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been blessed to travel a lot. Yeah. I probably should have been saving and not travel so much. But I don't want to go into my 40s and, and be living some of the best years of my life mm-hmm. and be bogged down by this debt. I refuse. Right. I refuse. Yeah. And absolutely, I'm on the same page. Like, absolutely refuse to continue in this trap of debt and, and, and being able to spend my money on what I want to. That's what, that's what I'm most excited about is when I get my money and I earn my paycheck, it's to be directed where I want to go. Yep. Not where I owe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah we joke about um going to like italy and being like hey girl you just want to go yeah <laughs> okay we'll bring the kids <laughs> yep doesn't matter all, all the freedom <laughs> and, and that's why we call it debt freedom because we have all the freedom in the world to do what we want to do without the restraint of, of i mean honestly for me what's mostly on my mind all the time is the student loans and how much i feel trapped by those decisions that i made I think mine is the credit card because it didn't have to be this way. Like student okay. loans, I, I, I don't, we just didn't know better. I knew better. I knew not to get a credit card <laughs> and I had paid them all off you and, did. Then got, and then got one. And I said, I'm just going to get the one, but the, the credit limit was so high. Yeah. I think $23,000. And I was like, Oh, I'll never, I'll use never, that. Use that. never. Yeah. I'll pay it off. You know, if I even get to a thousand, I'll just pay it. Oh my God, you guys, it's maxed out. It's at the 20,000. I don't even know what I, what I have to show for it. <laughs> and that's actually, that's a good point. We almost never know where our money went after it's been spent. Like sometimes, yes, you can see it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I bought that. You know, I bought this bed or I bought this PlayStation with it or whatever. But most of the time, whatever we spent our money on, it's, there's nothing to show for it. There's nothing. Yeah, but credit is stupid because it is. I'm borrowing money and then paying you double or paying you extra to just borrow the money. If I needed a new bed, I could have, most of the time, things I bought in credit, I could have paid in cash. For sure. But I didn't yeah. want to see my cash go away. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the problem is my cash is going away and then I'm paying more for it. I'm paying a penalty for it. And I just, I don't know. I'm so grateful that we're here now and that we're able to explain this in layman's terms mm-hmm. because- I never, I've never had this conversation with my parents or my grandparents ever. Yeah. Never. Same. Yeah. It was always, you know, an adult conversation. It wasn't something that I was invited to. Yeah. And what half the time, well, to, talking to my mom now, she still doesn't know. It's funny because I told mm-hmm. her about um, the new plans that I have for the year for the money. Um, now that student loans are being forbeared and I kind of come into some extra money now because of that. Right. And so we were talking about that and I was telling her about, um, you know, doing her spending inventory and stuff. And she's just like, oh my God, you should totally do a family Zoom about this. And I like, yeah, <laughs> they still don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and that's, that's very true. There's still some lack of understanding, lack of knowledge um, for those that are even older than us. Some of those that raised us that they, you know, it, and it's, I don't blame them so much as like, the times like it's it's what they knew they did the best with the information they had and they made those decisions but we do want to spread the knowledge yeah so you kind of you were kind of alluding to some what I call money traps did we want to talk about some common money traps to avoid obviously credit cards being the first one um what are some other things that we should kind of avoid when it comes to credit and money payday loans um, no money down plan. Yep. Um, cars. <laughs> cars. Cars. The biggest. I I tell the students all the time, and and I know it's it might sound funny, but cars are literally only with you from point A to B. That's it. 
They're not supposed to do your accounting. They're not supposed to read you a book. Like they're not supposed to. It's literally just to get you from where you need to be to where you're going, like from where you are to where you need to be. That's it. So we invest all of this money in a box on wheels Mm -hmm. that literally only needs air, heat, and to run smoothly. I mean, you don't even need music because our phones do it. You don't really need the bells and whistles or navigation because your phones do it. So I, I don't know. I find it difficult to know that I've spent $30,000 on a car. Yeah. Cause I, you know what I could, what I could do with $30,000. I mean, that's a whole student loan. Yeah. And you'll never get that amount back. Like, you know, they don't retain their resale value. They're not there. The moment you drive them off the lot, they they don't hold that value anymore. It's, you know, the newest shiny thing comes out two months after you bought that one. And it's just like, you could have, you know, went a couple years behind and paid full cash for it. Like instead of getting the 2020, yeah. you could have got the 2016 and there's like very little difference. It's a fact. And I mean, my first car was paid for and I totaled it in like three months. Mm-hmm. And then actually when I bought my new car, two weeks after I bought it, a, a young kid at the school hit my car in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily his parents had insurance and they fixed it, but I mean, cars are so, I don't want to say hit or miss and be punny, but like <laughs> there's, there's too much of a liability yes. to investing that much money for it not to be yours because I'm renting this car. This car yeah. does not belong to me yet. Right. right. If something happens and you don't have gap insurance, which is ridiculous. But if you don't have it, something happens, you have to pay the difference. You still have to pay for the car. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not driving it. And you're <laughs> not driving it. Drive it. So buying a car that's five thousand dollars that runs smooth, that's used, or even ten thousand, budget for it. And I mean, if you wanted to buy a brand new car and you could do it in cash, whatever. I, I don't think it's worth it, but if you could, that's fine. But you own it free and clear. If something happens to your job and you can't pay payments, you don't have to worry about it because it's yours. It's yours. So leasing a car or financing a car has probably been, well, the top three of my stupidest. One of the top three of my stupidest decisions yeah and it's a common money trap you i mean it's, it's the number one money trap i remember we i didn't even have a car note until we bought our new our, our newest car and i just I, I had always subscribed to not having a car note and i don't know what made me just change my mind and now i look at it and i'm just like i can't believe that we are paying on this when we had two paid off cars and it it's just frustrating because i i subscribed to the notion that i deserved it away I deserved it. I earned it. I I worked hard. It's, I should get it. It's, it's, I hate it, but, um, and then I remember I had the car for a little bit and maybe like three months in a brand new car off the lot, someone like sideswiped it. And I was just like devastated because it was so shiny and someone had messed it up and mind you, it's still not mine. Like I haven't paid it off. So the the car notes. Yeah. Yeah. You, we heard most of it. I think you were, you cut off at, um, you don't even know why you bought it. And now that you have it, you're looking at it and you're like, Oh yeah, it, it's, it's just devastating. And yeah. But I mean, payday loans are the same. So any, anytime somebody says you can cash your check now, you can take out this quick loan and there's no interest, blah, blah, blah. There's always a catch. There's always a caveat. There's a fee. So in essence, if you're going to like the cash check kind of place mm-hmm. you, and your check is $100 and they charge you $25, you've now given away a quarter of your check mm-hmm. because you couldn't wait um, for it to clear for a day or two like that. Yeah. We don't want to be living like this at all. Right. So either you need to get cash payments or you need to have direct deposit. So if mm-hmm. you can't have direct deposit for whatever reason, get paid in cash. Or you need to let you need to go to the bank where the check was cashed. I mean, where the right. check was written, and then yeah. get your money on the spot. Yes, the originator. Uh, what else? Student loans are a scam. It's oh. not education is not even worth it. I mean, now right. everything is like you can get a certificate and do it. You can get a certificate in graphic design and go make a million dollars. You can become a photographer and not go to college at all, and be great. I mean, I I still believe in education. Um. I am an educator. I believe in it, but I believe it should be free. So if it's not free and you can't pay the difference in cash, you can't go. Right. That means taking a semester off to save, doing a gap year to save, um, going to community college, which I kick myself every day for not starting at community college. I, I did 
one semester at a four-year school, left, and then went to community college, which was the reason why I left undergrad with such a low amount of loans. Um, Because my grandparents were able to pay that in cash. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a little bit of financial aid. And I try to encourage students to consider community college. But I know it has a bad stigma from what I don't know. But it is probably the best kept secret that our students know about and are benefiting from. But especially in our area, we, we work in Montgomery County. So one of the best community colleges in the nation and and the transfer articulation agreement with the schools all around the state and out of state is like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I say stay away from student loans, even if it means you might have to forego the, the path of education you thought you wanted. Right. And, and there's typically scholarship dollars attached to that transfer from a uh, place like Montgomery College to a four-year institution because they want you to come. They know you're going to be prepared for yeah. the material. They they want to entice you to transfer to their institution. And and almost almost 90% of, of the articulation agreements we have have some scholarship dollars associated with it. Um, but also something that was not promoted to me or for whatever reason schools don't publicize is the payment plan. You can break down your semester in chunks Mm-hmm. and pay for it out of pocket. So you don't have to have it all at once. If you're working, you can pay it, you know, $400 every two months or something. Like it's like every month, $400 or something. But you know what's um, interesting? We know, most families know that they want their kids to go to college. Right. born. But that's the one thing we wait to the last minute to sit for. Most people. Now some people have the 529 plans that I don't really agree with. Some people have, you know, savings and such. Um, but the average person, their parents wait till senior year and yeah. then pressure the students to do scholarships, pressure the students to figure it out, or, you know, we pressure them to not take out loans and not have parent plus loans. So it's one of those things where if you were saving, especially because our students work, most of them at 14, 15, if you were saving $50 a month, $50 or $25 a month, even yeah. from the time you started working. Mm-hmm. You probably have enough by the end of your senior year to pay for a year or two. And maybe your parents, if they were willing to match, you know, dollar for dollar, or if as a family, you just saved, you know, a hundred dollars a month, you definitely would be ready by the time you graduated from high school to pay for at least a year at community college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something. Um, and, I, and I mean, MC right now is $5,300 a year for a year. 30 credits. Come on. Yeah. That's one class at a school out of state or a private school yeah yeah the the cost difference is is crazy and I don't and I never you know one of the things I I talk about often is that it's the same class it's English 101 at MC it's English 101 at University of Maryland College Park it's English 101 at Georgia Tech it's the same class so the the dollar amount should be the 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 lowest it's kind of like when we have that peanut butter conversation when we talk about like yeah. Jiffy versus the Aldi brand. It's this. It's the same peanut butter. It's probably on the same conveyor belt. Like let's be honest. I <laughs> yeah. mean, Toyota and Lexus are on the same conveyor yeah. belt. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just a car. They just put a different symbol and made you think it was more important to drive a car with the colorful inside or the lights are a little brighter yeah. on the inside. Like come on. Yeah, it's yeah. marketing. It's a scam. We've we've all been, uh, you know, bamboozled, and it's just time that we we start calling it for what it is. Absolutely. Um, and you'll hear me all day. College is a business and you got to work it. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, you know, the, what we, what we do, saving, budgeting, debt. Um, and we've mentioned a lot of like apps or, or, you know, places we go or things we use to keep us kind of uh, accountable. So what are some of your favorite apps that you use to track your finances or tools that you use? And I'll make sure to plug them in the show notes so that anyone that's interested can link to them. Okay. I started this whole thing probably 2014 or 15 with Digit, mm-hmm. um, a money saving app. And at the time it didn't have a fee. Now it's a $2.99. I think it's a monthly, monthly fee. Um, I don't mind it because I waste $2, $3 a month on other things and if I every month one time I'm good for like three months so 
I use it now, it does charge you to use it, but it tracks your spending and then saves money for you from your bank account based on how you spend, looking at your trends. It's a smart app. So, and you can give it jobs to do. So I have it currently set to save, I think it's like $30,000 over the next five years um, for a credit card bill, knowing mm -hmm. full well that I will have that credit card paid off way before that. Yeah. Um, and that money I can just transfer back over and then that will become just my savings pot. Or as it saves me money, as I get closer to my debt payments, if I see that that money sort of meets in the middle, I can take it out and then pay it in full. Um, so I like it. It saves me money without me thinking about it. Every once in a while, I'll check the app and it would have saved me this grand amount of money. And I'm like, I would have never been able to do that if you had asked me to save that money. I don't know where it's coming from, but the app is like, okay, Teray, you're spending a lot of money on Chipotle or you're spending... Why are you buying so much music on iTunes? <laughs> you have to check the door. Just listen to that. Like, you know, and so it pulls like $5 here, $10 there. And then what I also like is I can set it so that if my bank account ever goes below a certain amount, it won't save me the money. Yeah. It won't take from me. Um, and also if my bank account goes below a certain amount, it'll pull from whatever they've saved and add it back to my bank account. Got it. Um, so that, that maybe that's why I keep money in my, that's not why, but it was a good excuse. <laughs> Good try. Um, so I use the uh, digit. I know you use capital. Yes, capital is the Q. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, capital, I became familiar with it maybe 2017. Um, it was also free at the time. They've now moved to a tier system. So there's a free version and then there's like two other levels that I don't subscribe to. Um, and it, same thing. You set goals, you decide what rules you want to set, set up to have um, your save your money saved, you know, based on that. So like they have like the set it and forget it rule, which is like they save uh, 52 weeks worth of money. Um, so the first week it'll say a dollar, second week it's $2, $3, all the way up until 52 uh, weeks. And, you know, I think that equals to $1,000 for the year. Um, so that's an easy way to get your emergency fund. But uh, it was exclusively the way that um, my husband and I paid for our wedding um, through saving with capital. So we set up rules every month. Um, the rule that I had was um, the payday rule, which was whenever our, our paycheck hit our bank account, it would save a certain percentage of that paycheck into capital. And so because it was hard to get to, we never touched that money. It was, we had a goal, we set the amount. And then after that, we just started saving and I've kind of stuck with it ever since. So I have new goals on there now um, that I've set up. Um, but it's been very helpful and it's very easy to use. Um, Sorry. <laughs> um, and what else do we use? Um, we use every dollar. Uh, you use it way more faithfully than I do. Yeah. I'm working, you guys. I'm working on it. Um, I use widget. Every dollar. I think that's what the two, oh undeaded, but that's not an app yet. That's not an app yet. It's only on the computer, but it's it's still very helpful. I love it. I wow. do too. I wanted to have an app. Financial Peace University has something very similar to the undeaded page. Um, I know one of our friends, Miss um, G at Paintbrand, she uses it, and they have that same sort of like calendar, the payoff tracker. You can see how much you've done over each month. Okay. Encouraging. Um, but for the most part, I think between digit and, and I still do paper. Yes. Like I plug everything into a document yeah. at some point, I mean, into an app, but I like writing it down. Mm -hmm. I like doing the numbers. I even do the math myself yeah. and make it make sense. Um, and then it helps me plan also on paper for the future. So I think the apps are kind of what's happening right now, month to month. Mm -hmm. I like looking at a year at a glance sometimes. Um, trying to foresee things that might be coming up like Christmas time. It always sneaks up on me, but why? It's the same time every year. <laughs> so last Christmas actually was the first Christmas I did not do gifts. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, um, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Gift giving is my love language, not, not getting gifts. That's not my love language inward, but my, but my outward expression is giving gifts mm -hmm. and it was torture. Um, I did still do it for like my mom, my grandma, and I think my, that might be it. My mom, my grandma. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was freeing though afterwards 
it, 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 I must admit, I'm going to probably do it again for the next few years. Yeah. Um, but again, if you know Christmas is coming, you just save for it. You just budge. And then what I used to do, which was great anyway, was I, I buy all year. I don't wait till December to start buying gifts. If somebody said, oh, I like blah, blah, blah. And I'm in the store and I see it, I'll just get it and hold it. We have like a little Christmas corner in our house anyway. Oh, okay. My grandma and I store, we store stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's the same with like, if I'm running out of the house to a baby shower or a bridal shower, and I'm like, I didn't get a gift. She's like, go to the corner. That's and be so like, cool. Freaking out st- it's so funny. Yeah. Um, but it's smart. Get cards. <laughs> like if you're going Christmas shopping or you go to Target and it's like right after Christmas, buy all the Christmas cards that are now like 79 cents mm-hmm. and buy like 20 of them. So next year you won't have to worry about it. And you got them for less than five because they five dollars a piece now. Right. Or make your cool. own card. That's free. Get you some color pencils. or get on Canva and make something really cute for free and print it. You know, you got to get creative because I think money has caused so many rifts in so many different relationships and just show that it is like the number one cause of divorce, number one cause like breaking up friendships Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. So we should be doing things that are more sentimental anyway. Right. Yeah. I probably won't be buying gifts for a few more Christmases. And I won't either. And it's mostly, you know, if I will, I, if I do, I'll be all in December. Like, oh, I have cut to out a little bit. You said if you do what? If I do decide to do gifts, I'll budget for it. You know, so I yeah. July, so that way I don't feel everything in one uh, in one month. Um, other apps that we talk about but we don't necessarily use um, is the Mint app. I know. Um, there's you need another budget. That one is also a budgeting app. Some people use it. It does have a fee. Um, so I don't, I don't really use it, but everyone really loves it. Uh, the other one I used was self, the self app. I did that for a year. Can you hear me? Yeah. You keep going like really soft and then it comes back. Yeah. But we can hear you You still there? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so the self app is one that I used all of last year and it was just to try to try it out. Um, that is a good way to build your credit. If you were looking to build credit and, you know, credit is a whole other conversation. We could probably have a whole podcast about that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the self app, I just wanted to see how it worked. And so it was, um, you put, a certain amount of money in it every month and at the end of a year you got all that money back but it was considered a, a cd so it was a certificate of deposit and you saved uh, it went towards your credit as if you had a credit line out of that thousand um, so i got that thousand dollars back at the end with interest and it it did raise my credit score um, so it was a good way to raise your credit without taking an actual credit card out um, but it's something to explore if you're interested in that self app it's literally s-e-l-f um but i i since then have not used it again all right and and then um there's so much more that we can talk about we could probably go for hours but the last thing i kind of wanted to touch on because you had a win recently is when we tell people to inventory their monthly bills what do we mean by that and like what can you do oh man yes so actually every year I do an inventory, which is where I, I call all of my bills. So this is separate from debt. Please know, maybe we should have defined it. Debt is um, the money that you owe for borrowing money and bills are just your everyday expenses. Monthly expenses are however you pay them. So cell phone bills, um, car insurance, um, Netflix, things that you could cancel at any moment if you needed to or get rid of that I consider those bills or that's considered bills. So I go around to all my bills, specifically my cell phone, my car insurance, the um, utilities that I pay on my house and things like that. Um, And I call them and I say, hey, I've been with you for such and such amount of years. I wanted to do an inventory and check to see if you guys had any discounts or any sales or anything happening that I could benefit from. One, for being loyal, a loyal customer. Um, Two, for being... um, 
like perfect in my payment, like never being late on a payment or what have you. And then also I try to plug in some of the things that I do. So I am an interpreter. I'm a teacher in certain terms. Mm -hmm. So I work in education. You know, if you're a military or if you're a police officer or law enforcement, sometimes there's different um, utilities or bills that or companies that will give you discounts for that thing. So one thing that I did recently was because of the pandemic we're experiencing now, I called Geico because you sent me um, a message that said the Geico was giving them 15% credit. So I said, hmm, I looked at their website and you didn't have to do anything to get the credit. But I said, well, while I'm looking at this, let me just call them and find out if there's anything else that can be done because we're not even driving. Yes. So it, those of you who don't know, when you get car insurance, they ask you how many miles a year you drive because that, that goes into the factors of how much they're charging you for insurance because if you're driving a lot, then it's more wear and tear on your car. You're more likely to get into an accident. Well, I hate to say that, but the more you're out, the more right. you know, your chances are. So they're trying to factor all of that in. So to go from, I think mine was 15,000 miles a year because I live far from work, um, it's now zero because I'm not driving anywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, we take the other car if we want to go to the store or what have you. So I called, told the lady, she, so not only did I get a reduction on my insurance because I'm not driving anywhere, but I get a discount because I'm, it's called the financially responsible discount, which I didn't even know was a thing. But because um, my credit score was so high, even though I want to talk about credit in our next podcast because I don't believe in it. But because my credit score was good and I've been paying my bills on time, uh, it's actually not my credit score, it's my credit report mm-hmm. was good. Um, they gave me an extra discount. So the, the discount had been applied when I first came with Geico, but it hadn't been looked at again in four years. Right. So she applied that. And then that brought my insurance. I pay $80 a month. That brought my insurance down to $58.58. That's what I'm paying this month. It's going to go up slightly next month because it's prorated for this month. But I think it ended up being like $69. And so that doesn't include the 15%. So I'm even more excited because my renewal date's in June. And she's like, that's when your 15% goes into effect. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, bring it on. (laughs) And and that's like those little wins, those little dollars that you're saving there, you can now allocate that money to something else. My car, for sure. And you know, I'm headstrong about, I am going to myrtleize this car note. You hear me? Um, But what I love is that we've said this in many of our our workshops and you have a story of one of your students that you have to tell about his win. Yes. um, Because I love it. Yes. He also, same thing after hearing us, Um, do the financial literacy workshop. He went home, he inventoried all his monthly bills. So first person he called was T-Mobile, called them and said, hey, you know, I'm paying, I think it was like uh, $130 a month for my phone and it's just myself. Like how can, what savings do you have? What can I do? Um, And how can I get, you know, this bill down? Otherwise I will be looking into, you know, another company. And so I guess they did their math and they worked some things out. He now pays $80 a month for all the things he had up at first and now he had like a hotspot feature as well so um that that was his first one and he was so encouraged from that that he then called his um insurance company same conversation and i i think he was with geico as well um and it's not to promote geico but that's just who he happened to be i love him though um and he he uh, was able to get a discount on his car insurance as well Um, And it was just about calling all these people up and having the conversation because before he just had it, you know, automatic ready to pay. Like he knew how much he had to pay every month and he was just paying it and he had been doing it for so long. And he was just so encouraged because had he not called, he would have been continuing to pay that. And now he was able to save. I think he said after those two cost savings from phone and um, insurance, car insurance, he was able to save his $1,000 emergency fund in three or four months versus he thought it was going to take him a year. Wow. And I mean, it's just those little wins, like we said, really do push you to make these daily habits. And I was never the kind of person that called and inventoried um, my monthly bills. I just paid them because that's what you do. But now I'm, I'm constantly bothering my husband. Like, um, can you call so-and-so? 
or I'm going to call so-and-so to see how we can save money here because they need to give me, um, you know, some discount. And it's because competition is, is out there and everyone wants to keep their customers. But not just that, like, if you think about how easy it is, how, well, how daunting it is to call, but yeah. you are, they're providing a service, you are paying for a service. So I wouldn't go to, to a restaurant and expect like to pay all this money and get poor service. Right. So why am I paying for something and, and expecting anything less? So me calling these companies, I never call with an attitude. I'm never yeah. you know, acting all crazy, but I call and I say, Hey, it's me again. You know, loyal <laughs> customer been here for 15 years. I left state farm because they did not value me as a customer. Yeah. The Geico, they've shown me the red carpet and their customer service is great. But yeah. the point is, you should be able to leverage, um, you know, now one, you need to pay your bills on time. So that's a whole thing, yeah. but leverage the fact that you're a paying customer, you're a loyal customer, even if you're a new customer, just saying, Hey, you know, I've been with you for about a year. Just wanted to see like, if you had any discounts. And the thing that made me the most mad is that they, most of the companies have something in place for those kind of phone calls, but yeah. it's never going to be advertised. No. And the other thing is you as a consumer place value on product. So that's for anything. If you don't go to Colstone and don't pay Colstone prices, Colstone will cut that. Will um shut down. Right. We yeah. they might set the price, but we give the value. Yeah. So as a consumer, when I call and say I don't know why I'm paying eight dollars a month for car insurance for a car that that goes from A to B, you know I need to know why that's a thing. And so for them to say, oh, you know what, let's find you a discount. Let's figure this out. You know, I'm telling them that there's no value in that money that they're charging me. It needs to be less because I'm doing less, blah, blah, blah. So we, we can absolutely make a difference in our bills and what we're paying by, by, by being like an active consumer and yeah. a really savvy shopper. Yeah. And I am all about pitting one person about against the, the other. I will leave quick. If you're For not sure. me, I'm not paying this. Mm-hmm. The only person I haven't left yet is Verizon. I'm trapped. I just, <laughs> I like the service. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they cost a lot. But again, if people stopped paying outrageous amounts of money, then they couldn't charge outrageous amounts of money. Yeah. So if you're willing to go, like, I think I, it was one time where I was just like, Jess, I'm going to um, Metro PCS. I can't do this. Like, yeah. I, my bill, my, my Verizon bill was 160 a month. And what did I have? I had my watch on there that was dumb. I had an iPad that I hadn't used in three years. Yeah. I had a cell, my cell phone. There was one more thing. I can't think of what it was. But you, you told me, you were like, you need to go get this stuff taken off. Yes. I like, okay. I went to the store. Sure enough. Now I pay, not only that, but I called Verizon. So I took all the stuff off and I called them and I said, what can we do? I'm not spending this much gigs a month, clearly. So what, what are we doing? Um, so they took, and I get discount for working for Montgomery College. So they, yeah. took, they took everything off and took my, gave me a little discounts and stuff. And now I pay $69 a month. And we were paying what again at the beginning? I was paying $160. Yes, you were paying something outrageous. And I was just like, I pay that, I pay that for three phones. Like that makes no sense. Um, so, so. I was super, that was one of my favorite wins of yours when you got your phone bill down to 60 Oh my God. It was amazing. And I, and my phone was paid for. So yeah. it wasn't like I was, that was the cost. I usually pay everything in, in advance anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this has been super insightful. I, I, this is what, what's crazy about this is that this is what our phone conversations are like. Like we are doing this for the podcast. <laughs> at Shady Grove, but we m- most definitely talk about this regularly. Every day. Every day. day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got to wrap this up, but did you want to plug your Instagram that you use to kind of track what your, your progress that you've been making? Yeah. You can follow me at Freeing My Terrain. It's F-R-E-E-I-N-G-M-Y-T-E-R-R-E-I-G-N. I know it's a lot, but it's Freeing My Terrain. And it's a beautiful journey that I'm taking with my finances and other parts of my life that I'm freeing up. Um, but I am loving the feedback that I'm getting, the people that are listening to some of my advice, some of the things that I'm learning, just like this, just like yeah. this podcast. I hope that this page, um, people follow and continue to get information as I grow, you grow. 
Um, and then I also follow you. Yes. Um, my financial, mine is strictly financial journey. Um, my, uh, my Instagram is debt free council spelled just like it sounds. Uh, council is C U N C I L. Um, and that's where I am, uh, documenting the process my husband and I are going through to be debt free from six figure debt is what I call it. Yeah. All right. Well, Teray, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us about this. I'm, I'm sure we'll probably have to have another episode because there's so much we didn't talk about. Um, Love it. And there will probably be something dedicated specifically to, you know, what to do during a pandemic because this is different times for finances. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably, you know, follow up with that. But in the meantime, um, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I look forward to continuing this journey with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, guys, be gentle with yourselves. This is a process. We didn't get here in one night. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to get out of this, though. And I look forward. We could talk about this forever. And I look forward to coming back. So thanks for having me. Thank you.